If your car has ever run out of gas or had a flat tire or broken down, especially in an unfamiliar area, you probably understand what it is like to feel vulnerable and helpless. Perhaps you even needed to rely on the mercy and kindness of a stranger to call a tow truck or to give you a ride to a gas station or even to help you repair your vehicle. What have you felt when you found yourself at the mercy of others? You know, relying on the help of others can make us feel like a failure, but this is how we must come to Jesus in humility and weakness to respond to the gospel. Times like these can be challenging and even frightening. Many of us want to be strong on our own. We want to be able to handle ourselves or to provide for ourselves and to make our own way in life. We don't want to be a burden to others and we want, don't want to be viewed as weak. And so, relying on the kindness and generosity and mercy of someone else makes us feel like a failure. Times of needing others can actually be good for us, however. You know, God can use them to, to chip away at our pride and independence, both of which are antithetical to the gospel. Relying on the kindness, generosity, and mercy of another, Christ Jesus, is the very heart of the gospel. You know, we cannot come to God in any other way than a posture of humility and submission and neediness. It's often been said that no one comes to the cross standing. We can only come on our knees. Our idea of strength is actually weakness, and it is only through our weakness that we are able to find true strength. In this session, we will see that the word of God's work and power has gone before the Israelites and the people of Jericho were terrified. Yet, that didn't prevent any, everyone in the city from retreating behind their city walls, hoping that they could hold out against the advancing Israelites. Everyone except for a woman named Rahab. We see that Rahab, along, alone among the people of Jericho, believed that God would be victorious and appealed to him and his people for an act of kindness to spare her and her family from the coming destruction. Our first point is an enemy recognizes God's future victory and appeals for mercy. An enemy recognizes God's future victory and appeals for mercy. At the command of Joshua, two Israelite spies infiltrated the walls of Jericho and scouted out the city. They took shelter with a woman whose reputation was tarnished, but whose profession would provide them with cover and anonymity. Rahab the prostitute. When their purpose was discovered by the city authorities, she hid them and protected them from arrest. And then she made an important request of these spies. Read with me, Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard now the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. 
Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Rahab, along with all of the people of Jericho, had heard about the God of the Israelites. They heard the stories of their escape from Egypt and their victories over their armies, stories that they accepted as fact, and they were so afraid. But there was something different about Rahab from all of the other residents in her city. She knew the Lord would be victorious for his people, and she put her faith in the only one who could save her. Rahab had heard of God's mighty acts, but she also knew what was coming. God would be victorious, and the Israelites would conquer the land and destroy the peoples of the land. She found herself on the losing side with no weapon that could withstand such power. Rahab followed her understanding with a statement of faith that the God of the Israelites is God alone in heaven and on earth. Though she had only heard about him secondhand, she called on Yahweh Elohim, the Creator God, through his representatives, the spies, to show mercy to her and her family. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 defines faith as assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith and hope are intertwined. We see in Rahab's conversation with the spies that they, her hope and faith were not in herself, her city, or her people, but in God, because He alone is all-powerful. When all of the others of her city were without hope, she could hope because she put her faith in the only one who could save. Now, why did Rahab deserve judgment? You know, it might be tempting to look at Rahab and wonder why she would be spared. First, I mean, she was of the wrong people a Canaanite, numbered among the enemies of God and his people. Second, she was of the wrong profession, a prostitute. In summary, she was a dreadful sinner, an enemy in open rebellion against God. But here's a key point of scripture. All sinners deserve God's judgment. Let me say that again. All sinners deserve God's judgment. If we are honest, we will be able to see ourselves in Rahab, for none of us are the right people. Now, why could Rahab hope to receive mercy? Well, Rahab knew God's reputation, and she took the next step and acted on what she knew, placing her life in the hands of this all-powerful God in whom she believed. Now, were Rahab's knowledge and faith rough around the edges? Without a doubt. Did she understand God's law? Most likely not. But... I mean, but did she understand that God was the God of mercy? A God who had rescued his people time and time again? This she understood. And this was what she clung to in her fledging faith. This was the basis of her request for the Israelites to show kindness and mercy to her and her family and to spare them from the coming destruction. Not because of who they were, but because of who their God is. She hid the Israelite spies. You know, faith is distinct from faith is distinct from actions with respect to salvation from God. All right, we are saved by grace through faith alone. But actions are tied closely in faith, in that to faith, in that faith without works is dead. 
Works flow from genuine faith, giving evidence that one's faith is real. Rahab showed kindness to the spies and asked for kindness to be shown to her. But she was clear that she believed in the Lord God and that he had handed the land over to the Israelites. Therefore, the New Testament points to Rahab's actions again as an example of her faith. None of us have lived in a way deserving of God's love, mercy, and kindness. None of us had shining faith in the moment we first believed. We all came to Christ needy. We all came to Christ recognizing in a primitive way just enough of the gospel to be saved, just enough revealed to us by God himself. We all came to Christ dependent on his undeserved mercy. And in this, we see the beauty of the gospel. Our second point is an enemy escapes destruction and lives to see God's victory. An enemy escapes destruction and lives to see God's victory. The spies left Jericho unharmed, thanks to Rahab's protection, and returned to Joshua with their report. Truly the Lord has given all the lands into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. But for all their scouting, God gave Joshua a curious battle plan against Jericho. No fighting, no siege, no military tactics, just marching around the city once a day for six days until the seventh day. Read with me Joshua chapter 6, verses 15 through 17 and verses 20 and 21. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. You know, the last words before a battle hold significance. So we should, should note with care what, rather, or who Joshua mentions in his speech before the battle of Jericho. He mentions Rahab. You know, it would have been easy for Joshua to ignore the two spies' agreement with her. But Joshua understood that this woman had professed faith in God and had risked her life to prove that she believed in Israel's God. So the trumpets blew. The men shouted, and this, as the city walls fell around her, Rahab escaped through judgment. Listen to this quote from Clement of Alexandria. He hath changed sunset into sunrise, and through the cross brought death to life, and having wrenched man from destruction, he hath raised him to the skies, transplanting mortality into immortality, and translating earth to heaven. Now, what should we make of God's pattern of rescuing his people through judgment? Those circumstances may be dire. God can and will rescue his people. 
The answers to our prayers for help and relief may not come as we expect them to. Though the wicked may seem to prosper, victory and salvation are found in identification with God's people. God is foreshadowing His ultimate rescue of people through the judgment of sin in Jesus on the cross. I mean, try to imagine the scene of Jericho's destruction. I mean, hear the shouting of the troops who have been circling the city in silence for six days, but are now free to yell their way to victory. Hear the trumpets sounding, declaring the presence and victory of the Israelites in their God. Feel the vibrations of the wall and, and the source of protection and pride crumbling all around the city. See the troops of Jericho trying to determine what breached their wall and how to defend against power they couldn't even imagine. Then hear the terror of humans and animals slaughtered by the invading army of God. Now picture this scene through Rahab's eyes. She had risked everything, believing that the men representing a God she had only heard about would keep their word. Everything around her crumbled away, and the Israelites charged into the city. Would the God of the Israelites really come through for her? The city was in ruins, and the people destroyed, but when the dust settled, Rahab and her family were still alive. Her faith in God was vindicated. She had trusted that God would be victorious, so he placed herself at his mer- she placed herself at his mercy. And because of her faith, She lived through the destruction to see God's victory. But God was not done with her yet. I mean, think about this. When have you had your faith in God vindicated? Our last point is an enemy becomes part of God's people and shares in God's victory. An enemy becomes part of God's people and shares in God's victory. Read with me Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 through 25. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house, and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And and she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. When Rahab hid the spies, She asked them to promise that they would spare her and her family from death during Israel's conquest of Jericho. But she would receive so much more. Removed from the city for their safety, they weren't just sent on their way, but were settled outside the Israelites' camp. And later they were welcomed into the victorious people of God. In God's mercy, Rahab and her family were allowed to live. And in God's grace, Rahab and her family were brought into the people of God. Now, initially, Rahab's family lived outside the camp, most likely because of ceremonial uncleanness, being that they were previously idolatrous Canaanites without the law of God. But the end of verse 25 suggests that at some point, Rahab dwelled among, not just near, her new people. Through Christ, 
God showers us with mercy and grace. We are spared from the punishment of our sin in God's mercy, and in His grace we are brought into His family, into His church. By faith, we become God's children, once enemies, now righteous sons and daughters, but only by God's mercy and grace. This week's essential doctrine is the people of God. Scripture describes the church as the people of God. Comprised of both Jew and Gentile, the church is created by God through the atoning death of Christ. The term church is used in two senses of individual local churches composed of people who have covenanted together under the lordship of Christ and of the universal church composed of all believers in Christ in all times. As the people of God, the church seeks to live under God's ruling care while we are protected and cared for by him. Though she was now part of God's people, God still was not done with Rahab. In Matthew chapter 1, we see that her story continued. Rahab married Salmon and had a son named Boaz, who fathered Obed, who fathered Jesse. Then King David, the king whose descendant would be the promised king of kings, Jesus. Surely Rahab had no idea what was in store for her on the day she asked in faith for two spies to spare her life. In the same way, we have no way of knowing what is in store for us when we turn to Jesus in faith, trusting in Him for God's mercy and grace. We cannot know what lies ahead of us, both the victories and the trials. But we can know one thing. God will use us beyond our greatest expectations. He is at work providentially to use all we experience for His glory and to continue His unfolding plan of redemption through His Son, Jesus. Think about this. What are some ways God uses His people for His glory and mission? Well, believers can be an example for other Christians when they joyfully endure trials and suffering for Jesus' sake. Believers can bear witness to the gospel of Jesus as they interact and serve unbelievers. Believers can disciple and encourage one another to grow in the faith and be more like Christ. As we read scripture, our tendency is to identify with those like Joshua, the heroes in the biblical stories that we read. But we might struggle to remember, we might not even want to remember, that all of us were Rahabs at one time. We were all sinners, enemies of God, and in desperate need of His mercy and grace. No one was ever so good that he or she didn't need the grace of God, and no one was ever so bad that the grace of God couldn't save him or her. The Rahabs of this world need to hear the gospel just as we have. So let us fulfill our mission to carry the gospel to every tribe and nation so even more people can be welcomed into the family of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Because we have experienced victory over sin and death through Jesus We tell people of every tribe and nation about Jesus so they too might trust in Him and become part of the one people of God. Here are some ways you can apply God's Word to your life this week. How will you follow Rahab's example of faith in the one true God? What can your church do to grow as a welcoming place for all who are part of it and all who could be? What people group will you pray for and strive to be part of reaching them with the gospel. 
Pray with me, please. Father, none of us deserve to receive the mercy of being included among your people. We deserve to be cut down and destroyed with the rest of the wicked. Yet you extend grace to enemies like us, not only in sparing us from your judgment, but also giving us a share in your victory. Thank you for the inheritance we have in Christ and the salvation he accomplished for your people. Help us to tell every tribe and nation about the mercy found in your Son and the grace of being included among the people of God. Amen.